Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Adorable Boy Podcast. Welcome. We have a huge show planned for you. We thank you for joining us again. I am Spud, of course. I will be your guide through this podcast. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll help you. I'll put my hand on the small of your back and I'll guide you gently through the podcast and you'll come out on the other side. You'll be entertained. You will be educated and you will be safe. I will protect you during this 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 ride that we call the Adorable Boy Podcast. Um, you know, we've been growing a lot in the past few weeks, past weeks and months. And I just want to say we couldn't do it without you. Um, the Adorable Boys understand that, that and unlike a lot of other broadcasters, Howard Stern, <laughs> that's a cough. You, see, you hear that? Like, I said Howard Stern while I coughed. Like, like, like I was implying Howard Stern without saying him. Isn't that crazy? That's humor. Comedy. Lesson one, comedy. Anyway, a lot of radio broadcasters like Howard Stern have lost respect and, and the honor that you should have as a broadcaster for your fans. Uh, I don't listen to his show anymore. I used to. But he doesn't care about his fans. Let's be honest. He doesn't care about entertaining and I'm going to go out on a limb here, and this is the first time I've designated this officially. And I and I held off on it for the respect that I have for him and what he's done in the radio industry, which he was, you know, one of the biggest radio personalities ever. But let me just say this right now and right here on the Adorable Boy podcast. Howard Stern is a cow tower. Yes, Howard Stern is a cow tower. And I don't care who knows it, and I'm not afraid, you know... You, we, you've been in radio for so long. Uh, people get scared. We're not scared. The adorable boys are not scared. I'm not scared. And the other adorable boys aren't scared, wherever they may be on this on this crazy globe we are we are living on. So I, I, I just I felt compelled to open this open the show with this because I was just overcome with the love that I have for our fans. I don't ever want to meet you. I don't ever want to know you, but I love you. And a guy like Howard Stern. You know, and, and and the Howie Copter jetting off to the Hamptons. He doesn't love his fans. He doesn't love you. And I find it disgraceful. That's my opinion. Okay? And he's an opinion of a new generation. A new generation that rejects kowtowing in all its forms. We reject it. We don't like it. And, and guess what? We're actively destroying it. We are actively destroying kowtowing. That is our mission. And we won't stop. We won't stop till we get enough. Oh, yeah. So, the Howard Stearns of the world, the... the Jim Cornettes, obviously. Maybe we have a podcast war coming up here soon. Uh, the Jim Cornettes. So, all the co- kowtowing podcasts and radio broadcasters. And Howard Stern goes on and... Listen... I like Neil Patrick Harris. He's 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 a funny actor, and he's you know I'm sure he, I've never seen any of the musicals that he's in, but I'm sure he's great in those. But I do not tune into Howard Stern to hear about Neil Patrick Harris's vacation to Mykonos. I don't. I love Neil Patrick Harris. I might have even brought this up on the podcast before, but it's just go. It it it, it bears repeating right now. I I hope Neil Patrick Harris has a great time in Mykonos. Which apparently is in Greece or something. I don't know. I hope he has a great time there, but I don't want to hear about it on a radio show. 
if you're going to interview Neil Patrick Harris, ask interesting questions. I don't care about his vacation. I really, unless something interesting happened on his vacation. But I don't know. It must have been like five or six years ago where, or maybe even longer, but he was on Howard Stern and, and I heard that. And Howard Stern had, in my opinion, really fallen off at that point. And when I heard that, though I love Neil Patrick Harris, I couldn't listen to Howard Stern anymore. What is that? That's kowtowing. Okay? That's not entertaining. That's serving a different master. So you want to have all these big celebrities interviewing. Want to interview all these big celebrities. Howard, your fans don't care what Gwyneth Paltrow has to say. We don't care what, what the mayor of New York or the governor of New York has to say. We don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Your fans. Your former fans. The adorable boy disciples. I, I bet many of them are your former fans. And you know what? The past is the past. If you stole some bits from us in the past... And did them on your show. Whatever. You know, every, every radio guy did it. Stole from us. We created everything. Um, even TV people stole, stole our ideas. You know, we used to play games and do contests and stuff. And then people would just adapt them for TV without, you know, without including us in it. Without saying that they got their idea from us. I mean, it, the, the list goes on and on, on. On, you know, what was stolen from us. The idea that the... the the Bold and the Beautiful, a daytime soap opera. I can't say, you know, legally they stole from us, but let's just say we, we're we're confident that it was heavily inspired by some of the old adorable boy material. Which is fine. You know, whatever. Do your thing. But Howard, you know, you, 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 you join the rest of them in kind of poaching our bit, our bits. Which, you know, it, it's out there. Go ahead. You know? But don't pretend like you didn't. Pay us the proper respect. That's all I'm saying. We're legends in this business. And, you know, I hate having to start off the podcast with this, but that's what the, the fans wanted. You know, the clamp, they've been clamoring on social media and emails for me to address you, Howard Stern. And I, this is the first time I am. And you know, you know what? I might not address you again for a while. That, it's my prerogative. But that's how I, I thought that I should open this up right now. Um, and we do have a great show for you, so I'm not going to spend any more time on that. Uh, we got uh, crazy election news, as you know, I'm sure you've been hearing it. You're going to hear Spud's hot take on all that. We have, um, we have a lot to, you know, just a lot of great material for you. We're just going to get to it. We're going we're gonna to have some fun. We're going to talk about stuff. Uh, and, and, okay, so... I guess there's nothing left to do but head right into the Podcast War. Okay, yes, another edition of the Podcast War, and guess who we're coming after? Mr. Jim Cornette and his podcast. Jim, you should have signed the treaty, that's all I can say. This onslaught of material, this consistent, funny material that is showing your podcast, showing your podcast true colors. It's all happening because you were too, too prideful to sign the treaty when we offered it to you. And again, we may offer it again, we may not. And but if we do, I'm telling you, Jim, it's not going to be as, as generous as the first one. Okay. So this week we have some uh, clips that I just picked out from a video that I found. Uh, just a whole bunch of Jim Cornette stuff. 
this first one, uh, your first voice you're going to hear, it's um, a, an old wrestling promoter named Bill Watts. And he is, he's going to open it up with just some, some, uh, some de- description of Jim Cornette. And then Jim Cornette's going to go into his, uh, you know, kowtowing as he used to do. This is, I, I believe it's from the 80s. There's no date on it, but um, that's what it looks like. And I'm just going to get right into it. Here's, um, well, well, I'm going to play the, the clip and you're going to, you're going to listen uh, with bated breath at the, at the kowtowing of Jim Cornette. And then I'll get on and explain to you why we're fighting this podcast war against him. So here we go. Here's Bill Watts from the 1980s on the Adorable Boy podcast. Who is arrogant, audacious, flamboyant, rude, and a mama's boy that brags about how you use your mother's capital to accomplish what you want. Well, let me just interrupt here. Um, that What a great description by Bill Watts of who Jim Cornette is, who the Jim Cornette podcast is. I'm arrogant and 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 all those things. He comes into he was in the wrestling world like that. He comes into the podcasting world like that. And guess what? The adorable boys aren't standing for it. We're not going to lay down. We are fighting for the for the for the soul of podcasting against cow towers like you, Mister Cornette. Podcast war. That's what this is. And again, I cannot stress it enough, fans. This is not a physical war. There is no violence. We we do not want any of that. We discourage all of that. This is a war of content. Because that's how the adorable boys fight. That's what we do. We we provide content for our fans. And even in the midst of a podcast war, we're entertaining. I make, you know, jokes about about stuff while I'm doing the war, while I'm fighting the war. Booty. Diarrhea. See, that's funny, Jim Cornette. And even though I'm I'm serious, I'm deadly serious right now, I can still make this funny. That's what good podcasters do. Poop. All right, so now Jim Cornette is going to um talk and, and you know be be boring as his as is his podcast. Here we go. Well, Bill Watts, first of all, let me just say one thing. People with money do not have to sweat. Why should I work for something when all I have to do is call my mother and she buys it for me? Do you understand that? Can you Well, short, shirt sleeves, the shirt sleeves, and... Shirt sleeves, the shirt sleeve, indeed, Bill Watts. Now, Bill Watts, I don't know much about you. I know you're a wrestling promoter, but I assume you worked hard at it. I assume you did your best. I assume you tried to entertain the people with your wrestling promotion. I've heard your name. You know, you're, you're a legend in wrestling. I, I'm pretty sure you're passed away by now. But I don't know all that much about you, but I do know this. You told Jim Cornette exactly what 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 you you said you called him out is what you did. He said he doesn't have to sweat for things, and that's that was his that was his attitude in wrestling, and that's his attitude in podcasting. Why should I have to sweat? Why should I have to you know really give it my all to entertain the people when I can just have my mommy buy it? It's not going to work in podcasting, Jim. The adorable boys are here to see to it that it doesn't work. We're calling you out. I don't know how long you've been doing your podcast, but I know we didn't start this until a few months ago, and you had a free ride for however long you did it. That free ride is over, bucko. We will not sit idly by and listen to you destroy podcasting. Poop. We won't we won't let you do this. We won't let you stroll in and not not try to entertain the fans with quality content. We will not 
stand for your kowtowing anymore. And you know that, Jim. And we gave you a chance to surrender. Officially. Because you already did surrender when you blocked us on Twitter. We were magnanimous to you, Jim, and you spit in our face with your, with your, with your silence. So this is where we are, Jim. We're not letting you walk through this like you walk through wrestling. We're not letting you glide by on your mama's coattails. She can't buy podcasting for you, Jim. I know she bought those tag teams for you, you know, 30 years ago. But she can't buy podcasting. You know why? Because we're not selling it. And that is that, Mr. Cornette. Okay, next clip. Um, still a setup for this one. This goes to a uh, an interview that uh, a guy, one of the wrestling commentators, is doing with an uh, old wrestler named Magnum TA and his manager, who I, I don't know who he is. He's wearing a mask. I'm sure he's some kind of wrestling legend. I don't know who he is, though. He seems like a stand-up guy, though, and he's talking about um, but, but what that was said before you heard in the sound clip is about how Magnum TA worked for the championship, and, and he won it. He's standing there with the belt. I don't know which title it is. Uh, but then a, a, a certain cow tower interrupts the interview quite rudely, and that's what you're going to hear right now. Man, we've got it, and we're going to keep on going right along with it. Well, Magnum TA certainly came through a champ. There's no question about that, but we cannot overlook... Oh, let, me, let me just explain one uh, thing to hold you. Hold but... just a second. Could I uh, just interrupt here for just a minute? Uh, I heard a lot of names being bandied about out here a minute ago about top competition, but one name that was conspicuous in its absence was the Midnight Express. Now, can you explain just what the problem is? We've been trying to get a title match with you two for a long time. I've offered any amount of my mother's money that you want. We can't get the contract signed. What's the problem? Can either one of you happen to tell me? I'm about to show uh, the adorable boys magnanimity here. And I'm going to, even though you're our enemy in this podcast war, I'm going to offer you some advice. You don't offer your mother's money to get a title shot. Not in podcasting. You want a title? You produce content. Your mother's money is no good in the podcasting world, Mr. Cornette. The arrogance of you to think that you could just walk in back then, 30 years ago, and here, now. In the podcasting world, the arrogance of you. It's mind-bending. Podcasting isn't a joke for us, Cornette. Podcasting is life. Broadcasting is life. We've been doing this since you were back there with your mother's money. And no matter what medium we're in, we give our best. We We don't try to buy things. We work. We built this adorable boy tower, this this massive building in the middle of one of America's urban, you know, places. <laughs> we built this with hard work. We built it with sweat. We built it with consistent broadcasting. You're trying to take shortcuts, Jim, just like you did in wrestling. It's not going to work. We're the gatekeepers. We're standing in front of you. All right. This is the last uh, clip. Because I'm frankly, I'm just sick of this. I can I can't really listen to it anymore. And we'll head to commercial, and we'll you know get started with all our great content. But this clip is Jim Jim Cornette reacting to the interview that you just heard, and he makes some funny claims. And Bill Watts once again is right on the money with how he characterizes Mister Cornette and his podcast. 
you know, 30 years before the podcast was, was around, but still, it's as if he was looking into the future. So uh, here's this next clip. It's Jim Cornette, and he's kowtowing and, and such. I like to watch myself. Yeah, well, you're the only one, Jim. You're the only one that likes to listen to yourself, too. So it's a great podcast you got going there. I know you got your sycophantic fans, but once they resolve whatever mental issues they have that lead them to listening to your podcast, you know, they won't be listening anymore. So I guess it's in your best interest that they don't resolve those issues. But anyway, uh, what we're going to hear now is apparently Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express must have attacked Magnum TA and his tag team partner from behind or something. I'm sure it was, I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it was bad and, you know, terrible as Jim Cornette podcast usually does things. And this is Jim, I guess, the, Bill Watts is explaining it, and then Jim kind of defends himself or whatever. Kowtows is what he's really doing. All right, here we go. <laughs> well, I think at that point that they thought you were just another smart aleck with a lot of rhetoric. I think they didn't realize that when you were talking about them being chicken that you were going to take such drastic action to make a visual reminder to everybody. It's something that I think went out with when the Ku Klux Klan was riding roughshod over a lot of scared folks. Oh, well, it's interesting that uh, he should mention the KKK, considering Cornette's, uh the trouble he's gotten into in recent years. I just think that's funny. Um, he sure has a lot of things to say about Donald Trump and racism, but you know, he's maybe he should check his own backyard first. All right, let's hit hit the clip again, Frank and Beans. And uh, we'll rejoin. I've, uh, I've I've heard rumors of that group, but I am a man of integrity. I warned them, Bill Watts. I warned them what I was going to do, and nobody can say that I didn't. Well, let's see the style and the and the bravery in which you conducted your operation. Integrity, bravery, not words that I would use for Jim Cornette's podcast. You know, he thinks that just because he warned them that he was going to do something terrible, you know, it makes it better. And that, that's how he's treating podcasting. That's the reason why we're bringing this up. All these kinds of videos, when we do them every once in a while in the podcast war, they show that Jim Cornette takes the same attitude towards wrestling that he does towards podcasting. His mom can buy anything and by any means necessary. His 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 sycophantic co-host will listen to him and, and agree with him on everything and make believe that his this this ridiculous his ridiculous podcast is entertaining in the least, and his 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 fans his his loyal and seemingly deranged fans will back him up too. I don't know why. So, Jim Cornette, your kowtowing days are numbered. Whatever, whatever you know, when we're. We're gonna make it so that you choose to stop. We're not. We could. We could strong arm you into stopping. We're not gonna do that though. We have power in the podcast circles, but we're gonna make it so that you stop. Stop kowtowing, Jim. Stop trying to buy podcasting greatness. You're, you're never gonna reach podcasting greatness. It's not in you. And I don't discourage anyone from podcasting, but I discourage you. You're the exception. The exception that proves the rule. What does that mean? I don't know. Stop kowtowing, okay? I don't have to dedicate big chunks of my show every week to your kowtowing, Jim. I'm sick of it. But I'll do it, and I will do it, and I'll make it entertaining. Poop. That's funny. I'll do it, Jim. Because that's how much podcasting means to me. 
We're going to head to commercial. Want to get in touch with us? Get us on Twitter at Adorable Podcast. Instagram at Adorable Podcast. Facebook, The Adorable Boy Podcast. AOL keyword, The Adorable Boy Podcast. Give us a call. Well, maybe you'll get on the show. It's, uh, Stuyvesant 47974. We've got a great show for you coming up. We got this podcast war business out, out of the way. We can't wait for you to join us back. We get, we get back from this commercial. This is the Adorable Boy Podcast. This fall, Nina brings the attitude back to daytime television. Is your brother gay? She's asking the question and getting the answers no one else gets. I believe in that old thing so the people shall know. So that's where I'm coming from. But is he gay? This daytime queen isn't afraid to tell anyone what she thinks. And I think that people are, again, I'm not saying that I'm I'm happy that it's this way, but I feel that people are more comfortable with people who look like they look, who dress like they look, who listen to the same music, eat the same food, do the same things they do. If you're looking for a daytime show that covers all the hot topics, Nina has you covered. Male sexual dysfunction. Murder. What does race really have to do with how we define ourselves as people? What are George and Wheezy doing now? Male sexual dysfunction. Join us this fall as Nina takes back daytime TV. Male sexual dysfunction. So you're saying if it's signed today, we can lock in this rate on the mortgage? Oh, it's not for me. It's for my associate. Here he is now. Right here. Ah! Man Shark is in the office! Run! No, I believe my friend will be signing this document today. You cannot discriminate against him based upon his species. Man Shark. Now he owns a home. Okay, we are back on the Adorable Boy Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We uh, got off to a rousing start there. A lot of emotion, a lot of you know, a lot, a lot of good, good energy, in my opinion. Um, we have a lot to do. Get some water there. Um, we have a lot to do, Frank and Beans. Can I get a refill of the water? Yeah, thank you. We have a lot to do today, so um, we're gonna get right to it. Uh, I was on Twitter, you know, I go on Twitter every once in a while. I don't, I don't, I don't control the Adorable Boy podcast uh, Twitter feed, but sometimes I have access to it and I can, you know, whatever, get on there. I like to argue with people on there. People are mostly stupid on there. And uh, one thing I've noticed is, I think it was uh, sometime last week, uh, the actor Tim Allen, he tweeted something about Karl Marx. I don't even know what it was, but I saw it as an opportunity. So I kind of just dive headfirst into it and kick the hornet's nest, what I like to do on Twitter. 
and boy are these uh, Marxists. They're not the they're not the smartest people. And it's great because a lot of them will just block you, which they some of them did, and some of them will engage you for a little while and then stop. And then you have the sometimes you get lucky, and it's someone who doesn't stop, and it's just it's wonderful because they're they have no logic behind their their following of Marx. And there's one guy on there might be listening right now. I don't know. He probably I don't I didn't ask him what country he was from. I don't really care. And we were arguing, and he said that um, he was saying how you know how great Lenin was, Vladimir Lenin, uh, and the Bolsheviks. And I asked him, well, okay, you know what happened to the Tsar's children? And if you don't know, the Bolsheviks they they went into the palace, they collected the entire the Tsar's entire family, men, women, children, very young children. If you know the story of Anastasia, it's this is the story of Anastasia, and. They collected him in a room, and I, th- I think they told him, you know, they were going to evacuate them or whatever. And they lined him up, and they shot them all—women, kids, all of them—and that's how uh, that's how socialism began. Which, you know, not a great, not a great beginning. Things, you know, that are fertilized with 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 dead bodies of children and women and men. Things that are, you know, watered with blood. Usually. They don't, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not founded for the right reason. They don't get off on a, on a solid ground and they're destined to fail from there, which obviously it did. But, um, so this guy said, <laughs> and once he said this, it's over because that's all I'm going to talk about. He said that it wasn't wrong and that sometimes that happens. Sometimes, you know, you have to execute children. So he argued with me for a long time on that. And went through the typical Marxist stuff, the insulting and all. I don't know anything, and I've never read Marx. I've read Marx. Marx is is it starts off with a flawed premise and then goes from there and just keeps getting worse. It, it, you know, so Mar- Karl Marx. Anyone who tells you people like to try and sound smart, like oh, I I read Karl Marx and I get the Communist Manifesto. Communist Manifesto is easy to get. It's just wrong. It's just stupid. It's it's ridiculous. It's 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 based on envy and greed. If you ever read it, and I have read it, and it, it, I guess it's interesting in how stupid it is. But other than that, there's no value to it. It's 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 a it's a philosophy of greed and envy. Nothing new, you know. It, it existed before Marx. Marx kind of had a spin on it, I guess. And uh, Frederick Engels, who also wrote it, it's it's more of a pamphlet too. It's not very long. I don't know, like maybe like 30 pages. So read it if you get a chance to see how stupid it is. But uh, I'm sure the Marxists will come after me. But the Marxists never like the adorable boys anyway. So there's that. Okay, what else do we have here? Let's move on from the idiots on Twitter. But I, but I, I encourage the idiots on Twitter to keep engaging. Because we just think it's wonderful. It is precious. So, all right. What do we got next, Frank and Beans? What do we got on the prep sheet here? Oh, yeah, this is going to be good. I was very excited about this. I uh, ran across it on uh, Twitter the other day. I'll give you the name of the Twitter user. Let me find it here. Hold on. It's a video of uh, a woman. I don't. Her name is Lita, pa- Lita, L-E-T-A, so Lita, I guess, or Leta. I'm going to go with Lita. Lita Powell Drake. And I guess she was an interviewer. She interviewed all these celebrities. There's like a, a supercut done by a Twitter user named John Frankensteiner. That's at Frankensteiner. Um, give him the credit for this because this is wonderful. I think he came up. It's like a compilation of some of like some funny questions. 
that this reporter asked. All the questions are from, looks like the, could have been, it was sometime in the 80s, it looks like, could have early 80s, may, maybe late 70s, but around that time period. And she's asking all of these, these celebrities, like the biggest celebrities of the day. Um, you got Kurt Russell in there. You got Tom Hanks. So it's probably the 80s. You have the other guy from Bosom Buddies, whose name escapes me. You have uh, Telly Savalas, Kojak was in there. Oh, just a whole bunch of uh, Gene Hackman. So I have a whole bunch of these big stars. And this woman is interviewing them. And she is the most blunt interviewer ever. And it's just, it's just great. She asks these questions. That it's just really funny. And it really, you, you don't have interviewers like this these days. Because everyone's hiding. All the celebrities, you know, they're hiding so much about their lives. Which I don't know if I even blame them with the, you know, paparazzi culture we live in. But an interviewer like this wouldn't get any... After the first time, she wouldn't get any more interviews. The publicist would keep everyone away. So this woman is is a amazing interviewer, uh, a woman after the adorable boy's own heart, and we're just gonna. It, it's a very visual thing because a lot of it is. It, and I'll explain as we go, but a lot of the funny part is the, is the actor's reactions, and just the way this woman asks these questions. So I'm gonna play a few clips for you. I encourage you. I retweeted it and I tweeted it myself. Um, you can check out John Frankensteiner, his Twitter, at Frankensteiner. Uh, follow him, because he should get all the credit for this, because this is wonderful. So we're going to, here, we're going to, Frank and Beans, play the first clip on this video. Let's let her rip this morning. You got to work with Burton, Richard Burton yes. and Tempest. Yes, I did. And now he's dead. Oh, yes. All right, so that was the first one. Um, the first part was, you know, she said, let her rip, this kind of introduction. And then she's talking to a um, a young woman probably in her 20s or 30s. She's wearing a white dress, very well put together. I don't know who she is. I'm sure she's a famous actress. And they're on a set, like a big curtain, a very typical 80s interview set. you got a plant behind them and, and, and like flowers on a desk next to them. And, she, and, and this woman, like you can see in her face, she doesn't know what to do. It's such a weird thing to say. She's got the, the interviewer, Lita, uh, Drake, Lita Powell Drake, she has her arms crossed. It really is. I don't know. It's like she, she could be asking this question at a warehouse while they're on break. You know? You worked with Richard Burton. Now he's dead. Oh, it's just fantastic. Um, okay, so we're going to go to the next clip and see. Uh, we'll just, we're will just we going to play the video. The video is like a super cut, they call it, where they just play a whole bunch of them. So, you know, it might be hard to decipher. I'll come in and explain it whenever, you, whenever I can. But I do encourage you to go on Twitter and, and watch this. We tweeted it. Uh, again, John Frankensteiner, at Frankensteiner, the guy who originally put it together, and we love it. Okay, this next clip is uh, she's talking to Gene Hackman really quick for about a second here, and she just gives uh, him her opinion, I guess, and it's uh, it's pretty funny. You've done some brilliant pictures. You've done some stinkers. Really? Oh, this woman is the greatest ever. Uh, it's it's hard with this. I, I, I had to bring it. I'm not sure if it's coming off good, you know, on, on podcasting, but it is just so funny. And I hope you watch it. It's hard because the clips are so short. But there she said to Gene Ackman that he's done some brilliant pictures and he's done some stinkers. And if you could see his face when you watch the video, it, there, there's a bit of shock. And then he says, really? Like, oh, it's, it's, it's so rare, I'm sure, that you find get these people off guard. And that's all this lady did. And it's just wonderful. Um, okay, next clip is... Okay, this clip is the other guy from Bosom Buddies. 
and she asks him what what happened to his shell. You may think she might be, you know, she might know what happened if she's interviewing the guy, but uh, I guess she didn't, and she has no issues with asking. What happened to Bosom Buddies? We were canceled. <laughs> What's what's kind of funny about this one is you can see like this a split second there's sadness in his face right after she asks the question, and then he smiles because he realizes how you know how ridiculous how funny it is. I get he probably has a good sense of humor, and he just says well, we were canceled. Oh, awesome. Okay, next clip. This one might be my favorite one. Maybe we should edit it here, but we'll see what else we got. This is Tom Selleck. You know everyone knows Tom Selleck, huge star in the '80s, and for this one. Um, I always heard the rumor that he turned down the role of Indiana Jones, you know, that went to uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, in this clip, he says it's not true. But this woman, uh, I'll play it and then I'll explain the the hilarity of it. Did you see the movie Raiders of the Lost Dark? Have you seen it yet? Yes, I did. It's a you wonderful know, movie. Do you know that he turned down the role of no, Indiana? I, I heard that you turned down the role, that you were offered the role. I wouldn't turn it down. Did you see the movie Raiders of the Lost Dark? Have you seen it yet? Yes, I did. It's a you wonderful know, movie. Do you know that he turned down the role of no, Indiana? I, I heard that you turned down the role, that you were offered the role. I wouldn't turn it down. You have to find this video on Twitter, on the Adorable Boy Twitter, or uh, John Frankensteiner. Because Tom Selleck's face, as soon as she mentions uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you could see he, you could see on his face that he knows what's coming, and he, he's not happy about it. <laughs> I mean, I always heard that he did turn that down, you know, years after this, that interview happened. So, I mean, he could have been lying, you know, he didn't want to seem stupid. But Tom, you had a great career anyway. So, you know, you made one mistake, whatever. But, the, oh, it's so funny how his face, it almost drops. It, it's just it's just fantastic. You got to watch the the uh, the video. All right, let's see what else we got here. I might as well do another one, if, at least one more. All right, this next one is uh, old actor Elliot Gould. And I I know him as an older man. I I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I heard that he was kind of difficult, you know, in his day with interviewers and all the, you know, kind of gave people a hard time. And I I don't know that for sure, but if I'm going by this, I I could I could imagine that to be true. So here it is, uh, this the greatest interview ever, interviewer ever, interviewing Elliot Gould. Do you have any regrets about not going into the series for Mash? No. No, they've all made a fortune, Elliot. Elliot, Elliot Gould is kind of wearing like a, a satin, like uh, jogging suit there. <laughs> and it's red and he's kind of sitting there. And the way he says no, it, it seems like it's condescending. And she just answers him right back, just, just stripping through all of the, the, the passive aggression. <laughs> no, they made a fortune. Oh, it's fantastic that she just ran right through these people. It's wonderful. All right. Let's see what the next one is. All right, this is another one. I don't know how good it comes off uh, audio-wise, but I think it's worth a play just because. Just go watch the video, though. This is uh, young Scott Bale, and he's sitting there in a in a nice suit, and she has a question for him. But you weren't a model. No. What size are you? Just a short one. Um, you know, it might not sound much, but but the way the way Scott Bale looks down at he looks like at his lap, like I have no idea why she asked me this question. Or how to answer it. It seems like this lady just kind of asks whatever comes in her head. And uh, that's perfect. Never see it today, ever. Not not in any real way. These, I mean, She's not joking. I mean, she might have a sense of humor about it. And, and maybe she, on some level she realizes what she's doing. But these aren't jokes. These are you know real interview questions. And they're just awesome. 
Okay, that's that's it for now. Um, there are so many more, even on just this clip, and I'm sure there are a lot more out there somewhere. Just kind of wanted to introduce that. I thought it was hilarious. I want you guys to all see it and hear it. Uh, go on Twitter. You can find it on. We'll retweet it again when the podcast, when this podcast is released, and we tweeted it before. And uh, John Frankensteiner on Twitter. I think I'm pretty sure he made the the cut up there. So great job by him. Really funny stuff. Go watch it. Okay, we are going to take this to another break, and we will see you on the other side. This is the Adorable Boy Podcast. Okay, library time on the Adorable Boy Podcast. One of our favorite times on here, because we get to talk to you about the sponsors who we love so dearly. This one is StuartMadison.com. This is a great website. They've been with us since the beginning of the podcast and even when we were on terrestrial radio. What they do. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had anyone wrong you? You ever been cheated on or, you know, a business partner did something bad? Well, StuartMadison.com specializes in getting revenge for you. And I know this might sound revolutionary to you if you haven't heard of them before, but I'm going to walk you through it. What happens? So first thing you'll do is you'll meet with their licensed professionals in revenge. The license in revenge to these people. Sounds like a James Bond movie, but it's true. So these people are either ex-convicts or currently incarcerated individuals, in which case you'll have to go to a prison. and you'll. But that'll be exciting because you get to do the visit through the glass like you see in the movies. So you'll talk to them. You'll tell them your situation, and they will take their time to plan a specific revenge tailor-made for your situation. And this could be as simple as a strongly word letter or as extreme as a car bomb. So then they'll help you to enact this plan. And then this new service that StuartMadison.com offers, they'll help you to steal someone's identity so you can get away with it, which is just, they're revolutionizing the revenge industry because what you're going to do is probably going to be illegal. No, definitely. In fact, the entire business plan is illegal. So they're going to help you. I don't know how they get away with it, but they're going to help you to get away with it to change your identity and, you know, lay low for a while. Maybe you can come back to, you know, your home or maybe you won't. Either way, you're going to be safe and you're going to be satisfied because of StuartMadison.com. So reach out to them and get your revenge today. George Bush talks a lot about prison furloughs, but he won't tell you that the Massachusetts program was started by a Republican and stopped by Mike Dukakis. And Bush won't talk about the thousands of drug kingpins furloughed from federal prisons while he led the war on drugs. Bush won't talk about this drug pusher, one of his furloughed heroin dealers who raped and murdered Patsy Pedrin, pregnant mother of two. The real story about furloughs is that George Bush has taken a furlough from the truth. This is... Um, uh, 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 toaster, uh, uh, vice president, uh, uh, president-elect Joe Biden. And you are listening to The Kitchen, uh, um, uh, The Adorable Boy Podcast. Wow, what an honor. President-elect. Wonderful. Thank you, pres- uh, Mr. Biden. Wow. Okay, The Adorable Boy Podcast is back. We are ready to go. Listen. Uh, I don't think I have to tell you that in the past year, 
the world has gotten a lot more COVID-y, if you catch my drift. Very much more COVID-y. And, um, well, you know what? Thanksgiving com- is coming up, and the adorable boys want to make sure that you have a safe Thanksgiving. So we had the team come up with this list of, of just some things that you can do to make sure that your Thanksgiving is safe. You can could, you could implement all of them, or you can implement none of them, but if you do, you're going to die of COVID-19. It's just a fact. So this Thanksgiving will be like, you know, a massacre for you. It'll be like the beaches at Normandy. People in your family is going to, if you have a regular Thanksgiving, if you don't heed safety warnings, whether they be these safety warnings and or other safety warnings, your entire family is gonna, going to drop dead from this virus. So that, I'm just warning you. So here are some safety precautions that the adorable boys have come up with. One, maintain so safe social distancing. You know, we've been doing it for months. Just keep keep apart. Less chance of the virus to jump from one person to another, unless you're under ten. At which point, I guess it doesn't do that at all. So I don't know. How, I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't know how they figure that out. But keep a safe social distance. Um, you know, like they do with the riots and the and the rallies and everything. So so do that. Okay. Next one. Poison your entire family. Now this is a, maybe an extreme one. There are some extreme ones on this list. But if you poison your entire family, they can't die of COVID. Am I right? I mean, isn't that the goal to beat COVID? So if you, the best way to beat COVID is to die of something else because then you didn't get it. Now, the hospital might still say you died of COVID, but, you know, the truth is out there, as the X-Files would say. Okay, next one. Wear masks. Just wear them. You know, they do. I believe. Here's the thing about masks. They wear them in operating rooms. They have forever. And they save germs from going from the you know, medical staff to the, to the person who's being cut open. So I assume they do something. So wear them, you know, when you're not eating. Or if you can figure out how to wear one while you're eating, that'd be great too. So just wear masks. Everyone will be fun and safe. Next one, blow up your house. Set some bombs or maybe just leave the stove. If you have a gas stove, leave it on and you know, light a match. Uh, I guess it's up to you whether you're in the house or not. But if the house isn't there, I, I get, and you could do this either before or after the, the festivities. You could have a whole nice time, you know, maintaining social distancing social distance, wearing masks, and then you blow up your house. And if COVID is in there, now it's gone. Boom. No more COVID. End of story. I don't know why more people aren't blowing up their houses. If I had a family member that had COVID-19, first thing I'm doing is getting everyone out of the house and blowing it up. That's what I'm doing. All right. Next one. Uh, I have plenty of hand sanitizer. Kills germs. You know, just another. It's, it's, it's not a foolproof thing, obviously, but it's just another thing. Do it. And you, you decrease your chances of getting COVID-19. Just killing the germs on your hands, which many things are, you know, are transmitted by. You touch your face, you touch other things, you touch other people. Boom, COVID-19, dead. Hand sanitizer works. You know, I don't think anyone can argue with that. All right, next one. Wrap yourself in saran wrap because COVID-19 can't get through saran wrap. So buy a lot of saran wrap. Let's, you know, economic times are tough. Let's help the people out at saran wrap and the, and the generic kinds. Buy them all. Buy all kinds. Wrap everyone in them. COVID-19 ain't getting, ain't getting in. It ain't getting in. Not because of saran wrap. All right. Take every guest's temperature. If they're running a fever, you know, politely tell them, you know, give them, give them some food. And politely, I'm sure they'll understand and they'll, and they'll go home. Easy. Get one of those infrared uh, things they have everywhere. The thermometers. Boom. All right. Uh, oh, here's a, here's a good one. Invite your family over. Set up a bunker somewhere in your yard, and then assassinate them as they pull up. Just 
you know, have a, have a, have an assault weapon and just shoot them as they come up. Because again, if they die of a bullet, they didn't die of COVID and we want to beat COVID. That's what we want to do. So just assassinate them. And that, granted, this will be a little messy and, and maybe you should think this out first because then you'll have a pile of bodies depending on how many people you, you invited. So you'll have to find something to do with that. And if those bodies already have COVID, that's a big risk too. But I don't know. Maybe do it and then dump dump bleach on them or something. I don't know. I'm sure your neighbors will understand. I'm sure they'll be doing it too. All right. So set up a bunker, assassinate your family as they walk up. They'll never expect it. Boom. Quick shot to the head. They don't suffer. No COVID. Would you rather them get COVID? You selfish, selfish person. No. Assassinate your family for the good of, 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 of society. All right. Uh, do, you could do it virtually. That's a good idea. Everyone cook their own stuff. One of my favorite shows is Impractical Jokers, and they've been doing virtual meals since March, I think. And they've been doing the show, and, and it's been funny, and they, they've all been cooking, and they've been, you know, having the, the, the uh, camaraderie through the, through the computer. You know what? COVID-19 can't get, can't get through the computer. Not yet, anyway. Not that we know of. But maybe that's coming, so live in fear. Okay, uh, serve bleach. Bleach kills everything. You know, you have turkey with a side of bleach. Drink that down, boom. Yeah, I mean, it'll destroy your insides and kill you, but you won't die of COVID. Wouldn't you rather die of bleach poisoning? I think so. That's my opinion. And the last thing is uh, put a mask on your turkey. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Put a mask on your turkey, I guess. I don't know why you would do that. Uh, whoever came up with this this list apparently feels like that's something you should do. So do it. So, you know, set up bunkers, serve bleach, saran wrap. You're going to have a safe a safe social distanced Thanksgiving. Okay? So, that's the Adorable Boys tips for a safe Thanksgiving. All right, let's move on here. What else do we have here on the on the old prep sheet? Okay, I guess we could start talking about the news. It's about that time. It comes quickly every every week. Um in the news, let's see. Well, we could talk about Joe Biden first. Um he's making some some picks for his staff and while I don't know um, the history of all of them, I mean, you get what they tell you. They were they served under Obama, their chief of ethics or deputy chief of ethics or whatever they were. Um, you're not going to really know. You got to really dig deep to find out, you know, what they, what they've really done in their careers and and all that. So, um, I did find out one though that people are kind of mad about. Let's see who it is. Let's see. Uh, by Rich, what's her name? Uh, where is it? I'm trying to find this lady's or this guy's name. I'm not even sure. Uh, let's see. All right, her name is the name is Richetti. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. It doesn't really matter. But um, this person and and remember, Joe Biden is committed to to not doing things as they, as they have been done forever, even when he was vice president. He is committed. The Democratic Party is committed to to being fair and honest and open and not and not bureaucratic, right? So this Ricchetti was Biden's, Biden's vice presidential chief of staff at the end of the Obama presidency, and she helped him with the um, campaigns that he ran after 2016 and 2020. And she, her history, one of her old jobs was that she was a lobbyist for the, uh, for the oil industry. So there you go. And I'm I'm guessing that if you look into the other his other deputies and whoever he picks for his cabinet and stuff, they're going to be they're going to also be 
they're going to also have bureaucratic things in their past and, and hypocritical things. So they promise you, I mean, and this is what the adorable boys have been talking about. They promise you difference and change. They never say how they're going to do it. You know why? Because they're not going to do it. Picking these corporate people, and I'm not, I'm not against corporations. I think corporations are good. I think they make money. I think they they provide jobs. I think they they they're good for the world. But you have a presidential elect who says he's going to do things differently. Who says corporations aren't going to control things anymore? You know why corporations control things? Because they pay you. They pay the government officials, and then not not just in money in jobs. You know, Obama has this deal with Netflix. Does anyone think? That that deal wasn't worked out secretly when he was president. I don't know that for sure. I'm just, I'm supposing. But that's kind of how it works, isn't it? Isn't that why all presidents get these, you know, six-figure speaking fees? I know Reagan did it. Well, I don't know that, but I mean, let's be honest. So they make what they do is they make these deals while they're in office, and then you know, two, three years after, it's like, oh, Reagan's going to be speak or whoever. I, I was, I'm a fan of President Reagan anyway, but. Uh, they're going to be speaking at this dinner, and they're going to be paid six hundred thousand dollars. It's it's pretty clear that that was done during the during the administration, and you know there's some favors were 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 exchanged. So Obama's Netflix deal, I don't I don't know how many people are going to clamor to watch films that Obama makes, which I saw on the news today too that he's making uh, an anti-Trump one apparently. So that'll be wonderful. So. I mean, we, people apparently, and if they did, we're going to get into the election fraud thing in a in a minute. If they did vote for Biden, they voted for change, and apparently, they don't care if they get it. They just want to. They want to be able to, and it's a big problem with our society. They want to be able to say they voted for change. They don't care if it actually comes or not. And and the Obama administration was a clear example of that. I don't. I actually don't dislike Obama. Um, I don't think he was the worst president ever. I don't, I'm kind of critical of some of his actions after being president, and even some during. I don't think he ever really uh, made anything more peaceful, I guess. And, and you know, he ran on hope. And the, I don't know that hope increased during his presidency. And I don't think it can with a, you know, an oppressive uh, party, such as the Democratic Party. But I really don't have much of a problem with him, other than he didn't do what he said he was going to do. But we all knew that. And no one cares. Not even people that vote for him. They don't care. That they don't care if Joe Biden does what he said he's going to do. And I can almost guarantee you he's not going to bring unity, as he said. He's not going to be the president for everyone. He's not going to be the president for people who didn't vote for him. He's president for him and his party and his career. And he's going to leave that party hoping that that party still is in, in control. And that's what he's president for. And that's what all his, his, his moves will be f- to, to do. They're going to... It's the same thing over and over again. And yet, these, these charlatans convince people that they're there for change. If you listen to any of the debates or anything, any of his speeches ever, he says, oh, I'm going to change, unity, unity, but never says what he's going to do. I'm going to help the environment. Never says it. And and it's just, it's sickening. It really is. So, there you go. Look in, look in I, I'll do it probably too this week. Look into Biden's cabinet and, and look at... Not ca- well, cabinet eventually when he does pick those, he hasn't yet. Look into the aides and advisors that he's picking, and look at the their bureaucratic past. Look at their past that some of them will be completely bureaucratic, and others will be completely contradictory to the to to the the goals of the Democratic Party or the stated goals. So they're so against fossil fuels, they're so against harming the environment, and yet this person this person was an oil lobbyist. So. 
That's news. And every week, we really shouldn't call it news anymore. We should just call it hypocrites. That's what I think. All right, what else? Ob- oh, this is funny. Obama admits to reading Marx as a strategy strategy for picking up girls. Um, I, I, I've gotten into a few arguments this week about Marxism. Marxism is a... I've, and they all say the same thing. Have you read Marx? Oh, duh. Have you read Marx? Of course I have. It's ridiculous. It starts off with a flawed premise and then just goes from there and gets worse. So I don't know that I would want the kind of girls that reading Marxist texts uh, would pick up. But am, am I surprised that Obama read Marx? No. No, because Marx, Marx tells people what they want to hear. Marx gives people a, an excuse for, for any failures they might have. And everyone fails. There's nothing wrong with failing. But when you, when you fail and then you try to blame other people, other things, for that failure, that's wrong. And that's what Marx does. And, th- and that's why I think he's so popular. Because people can look at the, and, and say, no, I didn't fail. The whole system's rigged against me. So I can't succeed. And then that turns them evil and bitter. And then they look and they try to take down the people that don't pay attention to that. The people that say, I don't care if the entire thing is rigged against me. I'm going to try to do what I want to do or die trying to do it. And I think that's why Marx is so... That, that's my opinion for why Marx is so popular. Though he's not so popular, but there are people that do... Um, you know, want... That do think that his work is good. I don't know if they think it's good, but it just gives them an excuse. And then they'll they'll and, and it's funny because they don't even realize that, you know, these are the same people that support Lenin and and Stalin. Though you'll find less people that support Stalin, but you will find them. And they'll say, oh, you know, they were so right and and, and blah 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 and, and Lenin didn't kill anyone, blah blah blah. Of course he did. Lenin was a dictator. End of story. I'm not saying he was a smart man, but he's a dictator. And 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 obviously he was influenced by Marx, as were a lot of politicians these days. But whatever. Uh, okay, here's a here's a good, enormously insulting. Bernie Sanders um, says it is enormously insulting if Biden ignores progressives in his administration. Okay, there it goes. There it starts. Because I, I will admit, I, Biden will not be a president for everyone, but he will be forced to move a little bit center, very small. Um, every president kind of does. Trump didn't really, but. But but what's going to happen here is the old guard of the Democratic Party is is going to be under intense pressure from the new guard, and there's going to be a split in the party. I've said this. There's, there's a split. It, it, it's starting now. It's it's the Bernie Sanders. It's it's that that stupid group of of whoever. They're going to push and push and push Biden and his administration to go further and further left. It'll probably work. I'll be honest with you, which uh, because uh, I. Th- because I think um, I don't think he can stop it, and I think this is going to be the destruction of that party, at least as we know it. I mean, I think Trump destroyed the Republican Party, and, and I think they've actually kind of—I mean, they're still whatever, but they're still a, a political party, and they're still everything bad, pretty much. But they are a little bit better. There, are, there are people out there who kind of get it. I think now, and I think that'll that'll probably happen to the Democratic Party after all this garbage is said and done. Because honestly, I don't think Biden's going to have a successful presidency. I don't think you'll hear that. And I think probably at the end of it, people will say that he did. But I don't think he will. I think we're going to be worse off as a country. We'll, we'll survive. And then a Republican will come into office and we'll go the other way. And So, 
So, yeah, so uh, Bernie Sanders, who, speaking of uh, Karl Marx, right? That nutcase. They want to, one of the things they want to do is cancel all student debt, which, listen, I would, I know people very closely that would greatly benefit from that, but it's still against it. Because you're not solving the problem. You're canceling money. You can't, you're not solving the problem of why these educational institutions are charging so much to, to, to these people. And they're going to keep doing it because, and you know why they're going to keep doing it? Because they have political friends and political, uh, you know, uh, influence. And they, they, that's, that's why this, something like this is happening. Not, don't solve the problem. Don't, don't, don't identify the problem and solve it. Identify the problem and then throw something at it that still keeps your cronies rich, but also makes it look to people like you're for them. You're not. You know, Elizabeth Warren, I don't I don't know her exact stance on this, but I'm sure she's for it. She was she was a professor at a college. How much did she make? I'd I'd like to know. I don't know. Did she make a lot of money, a lot way more than she probably should have? I don't I think so. And these public universities getting federal funds and 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 government funds and then charging, you know, what they charge. It's 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 uh not only that, but also, I mean, you could have a private university, and they do, you know, a lot of private universities charge a lot more. Um, but you could choose not to go to them. You don't, you know, Harvard is looks great, but you know, if 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 you if you are great, you'll be great, no matter where you go to school. You'll lift yourself up. So take off the stigma of even going to school. You don't have to go to school. You can be great at something. You can learn something, and then be great at it. You know, you know, more people probably are great at things that didn't go to school. I, I would say, I don't know that for sure, but not, not that I'm saying an education is a bad thing because it isn't. It's a great thing, but we just kind of lost the way where we have you know generations of hor- and hordes of hordes of kids that go to college just because it's what they're supposed to do, and they don't really get a whole lot from it. So we need to change that whole thing. And canceling student debt isn't the way to do it. It's, it's and it's not gonna. It, it in the end, it's not gonna help. It's not gonna accomplish any goal, really. It really isn't. It'll help some people, but they're not really looking at the big picture because in the end, it'll hurt them. And that's all I'm saying. I would love for no one to be in debt, but if you do it this way, it's it's not gonna help. It. It's just gonna make things worse. So there's that story, and then um, I guess you know we could talk about the election. Which still isn't done. Try it's you know it's so hard to it's so hard to to know. As I've said, you know, and I've I've echoed this sentiment for weeks that we can't really know what's going on because we don't have a media that tells us. We have to kind of piece things together and use our own intuition, which is good. But from but from their lies, it makes it so much more difficult. We don't really know what's going on, just like we don't know really what went on with Hunter Biden. No one talks about Sinohawk, Sinohawk, whatever, you, however you pronounce it. I don't know if there's anything wrong with it. But from what I read that their stated goal was, and I can't find it anywhere else. So maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I don't know. It looked weird to me. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. But Sinohawk was was uh, a business venture that Hunter Biden and um, Joe Biden's brother, Hunter Biden and his son and his brother, I, I think James Biden, were involved in. And it just seemed uh, pretty sketchy to me. But anyway. We can't know what's going on. So I don't know if... Uh, was there election fraud? I have no idea. To, I think to to immediately dismiss it is insane. 
because you have the, you have a whole bunch of these things, the media, and you have the Democratic Party and, and all that, and they're immediately saying, as soon as they hear the word voter fraud, it's like a reflex. No. Voter fraud, no. Of course not. Never. Absolutely never. Never, never. And that's, that's suspicious to me. That's the first thing. That makes me more suspicious than anything else. Um, but was there... Uh, Trump has all these lawsuits, but I think he's only actually filed like one or two so far. But then you'll get on the, on the you know, whatever, Twitter or the internet, and they'll say, oh, all, why were all of Trump's lawsuits thrown out of, thrown out of court? Like, they weren't. Those are other lawsuits brought by other people. So, again, you, but you can't know. You can't know. So, do I think there was fraud? I, I'm surprised that Joe Biden could have won this. I really, really am. And then you, you couple, but that's, you know, that's, that's me. I, I could be very wrong. I know that. But then you couple that with all the irregularities on election night, and people are telling me that they weren't irregularities. That always happens. But I would love for them to produce another time where four swing states at the same time, the, the, the four states that, I think it was four, something like four, that the election hinged on just stopped counting and then started counting in the morning. That sounds suspicious to me. If that has happened before, show me proof of that. Please, I'd love to see proof of that. That's suspicion to me. So th- there you have the Biden winning in the first place, which it's, I don't know. I just don't think he has that much support. But again, that's, that's very spurious. I'm, I'm admitting that. So that's, that's one thing. And then the immediate denial by anyone who's, if you mention the word voter fraud, can't happen, can't happen, can't happen. That, that leads to some suspicions. The actions on election night, that's, that leads to some suspicions. And then you have a lot of, and this is, believe me, on the scale of weight here, this is low, but you do have a lot of people coming forward and and saying that they saw things that shouldn't have happened and, and all that, which probably does happen every election. Doesn't mean it's right, but it probably does. And would it, you know, the the bringing in late ballots and and all that stuff, did it happen to the extent where it would have changed the uh, the outcome? I I think personally there is a path here where Trump stays president for another four years. Um, I think if he can if he can if his legal team and they're they're kind of frustrating too because they keep coming out and saying oh we have it we have it we have it but we got nothing. But then again, you know they, they wouldn't want to you know throw all their all their cards on the table immediately. So do I? Th- I, I think that they they can. If they can, and, and maybe they can, provide some doubt as to whether or not election fraud took place, I think there is a path to him staying president. But, you know, we'll see. We can't know. It'll probably happen in December. I think it'll probably go through the House, and I think it'll be a disaster. And I think one of the reasons why it might not happen, if, if there was fraud, which I'm not saying there was, but if there was, one of the reasons that it might not happen is because people are afraid of riots. You know, this would be uh, decided by the court, Supreme Court, or the um, you know the the uh, one of the however the heck they do it. Um, and Trump, there's a good chance Trump could win it if it goes there. So he has to prove election interference. I don't know. They seem pretty confident, but you never know. And and everyone is telling him that he should concede. But they're all the same bureaucrats as they've always been. Why would we trust them now? That's why I love the Democratic Party touting all these Republicans that are against Trump. But these are the people that they call evil every day. They hate Republicans. 
So you can't then say, oh, this person that I hate and I think is terrible is even against Trump. It, it just doesn't. Why are you supporting that person? Why, why would you? W- wouldn't them being against him make you rethink it if you're a reasonable person? Like, wait, that guy's terrible and I know it. Why is he against Trump? And then you look into it. It's, it's, it's a crazy world. And I, <laughs> 2020, right, guys? <laughs> um, so all we can do is see again. And, I, and you know, I give these the news every week. As I see it, because that's all I can do. And I'm not, go out and look at stuff yourself. I'm not telling you what to believe. I'm piecing things together. I'm being an example for you. I'm piecing things together and using my intellect and my experience and my knowledge to, to, to figure, try and figure things out. And I could be very wrong. I probably am. Who knows what's going on anywhere? You know, the back deals and the dark and everything is done in the dark in Washington. And the, and, you know, it will continue. You think a Joe Biden presidency is going to change that? And of course not. Everything is done in the dark, and it will continue to be done in the dark by people that don't care about you and I. And you know, I'm a, I'm a rich radio guy, so I'm fine. But I care about you people, you little people out there. I look at you every day from the top of my either. I look at you from at the end of every show from the top of the adorable boy tower, or from the top of my high rise luxury apartment. I look down at you guys and I say, oh, I feel sorry for them. Well, you know, the, the adorable boys, we're just trying to give you, we're trying to straight shoot you. And in doing that, we're saying, I don't know, but this is what I think. Come at me with what you think. I'd love to hear it on Twitter, at Adorable Podcast, or wherever, wherever you want to get us. Um, so that's the election. I guess we'll keep, we'll keep seeing. We'll keep, we'll keep watching. Everyone's telling Trump to concede, but who cares? That's what I say. I mean, Everyone is usually wrong. If the mob is the unthinking mob. Who this is is usually wrong. Um, so then we have more shutdowns for the coronavirus. Uh, I don't think shutdowns worked before. I think they're being done a little bit differently now. So I guess that's good. I mean, in in some states, I know where I am. Um, they're closing by a certain time. Things are closing by a certain time, and and all that. Uh, I don't know. So I know in New York is just a disaster. De Blasio, Mayor De Blasio, America's mayor, uh, closed, um, said the schools are going to close. And then now I hear Cuomo is saying that schools are safe uh, after they've been closed or after New York City closed them. So I don't know if they're closed throughout New York State or just in New York City. Uh, These two are, are the biggest jokes on the planet. And Cuomo didn't used to be. Cuomo, I never liked him, but at least he wasn't de Blasio level now he is he did a press conference this week where reporters I mean reporters were asking it and of course reporters you know I don't know they're kind of you know they're, they're kind of confrontational it's a reporter it's what they do it's what they have to do not so he did a a, a press conference with them to, this week and he just at some one point he just started yelling at them about they're asking when will schools close because they weren't getting a clear picture because they weren't given a clear picture and even now there's not a clear picture the, what the mayor closes the schools in the city. The governor said, "No, it's safe." And in learning, pers- in person learning is the best thing to do. And then Cuomo writes a book. Sorry, I was chewing on some ice there. Very unprofessional of me, but I'm shock jock, so whatever. Cuomo writes a book about how to deal with a pandemic in the middle of a pandemic, and he's making money from it. Now I don't understand. I, I all these liberals, all these progressive, are against making money. against Amazon making money, against Walmart making money, against Target making money, against every big company making money 
but the mayor or the governor of a, of a state can write a book while he's governor about how to deal a pan- with a pandemic that is currently going on. How is that? How, is that, how do people not scream about that? That is, 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 is corruption at its finest. He's providing a book. No one cares. No one, people, only idiots are going to read that book, and there will be idiots who read it. He's just making money. He's just making Amazon provides a service. Target, they sell you goods. Walmart, too. They, they, these, all these things. They, were, they, were, they didn't just start out like this. They had to build. And yes, these people got rich off of them because they did it well. Not that I like, well, I don't like going into a Walmart, but, you know, they've done what they've done well. And then the governor, as he's governor, and uh, let's be honest, he didn't write this book. But let's say, you know, I'm sure there's in some, if you ask him, he would say that some work on his part went into it. And my question is why? Why is the governor, as he's governor during a pandemic, writing a book about how to deal with a pandemic? Never mind the fact that he personally made a terrible decision that, that I mean, almost certainly killed thousands of people. He put, this was back in April, I guess, or March, he put COVID positive people into a nursing home into nursing homes all over the place and to infect the most vulnerable, the people that we should have been protecting. It would make most sense. We'd have a lower death toll if we took all of this, this, all of these resources and protected the elderly with it. But we didn't. We shut things down. We, we, we destroyed an economy. Maybe it was just despite the president. I don't know. But we did that. And then we had, you know, all, all the things, uh, this election, whole election happened because of coronavirus. Let's be honest, because these mail-in votes. And people, it makes me want to scream. People don't look at him and say, that's corruption, that's wrong, we need him out of here. And de Blasio is just a complete, as low as Cuomo has sank, that's a high point for for de Blasio. It's the adorable boy alarm. Um, De Blasio, he has no idea what he's doing. He's never been good. I, I haven't liked him from the day he was elected. And I have roots in New York, so I paid attention. As the city's dying from coronavirus, apparently, that's what they tell us, he's out there painting a mural in front of Trump Tower. It's ridiculous. He's a, he's a disgrace. That city is crumbling. And these idiots don't know what they're doing. And that's why it's crumbling. Cuomo, he, he renames a bridge for his father. I, I got nothing against Mario Cuomo. But how is that serving New York to, to, to name a bridge for your father? Get out of office and convince the other, the next governor to do it. It'll look a lot better. And we're all this fighting for indigenous people, which, you know, they've had, indigenous people have had injustices in the past. Absolutely. They renamed the Tappan Zee Bridge. If you're if not from New York, Tappan Zee was a bridge. And then, I don't know the exact, you know, association, but it had Native American roots. Tap, Tappan, I think, is, is, is a Native American tribe, I think. I'm, I'm admittedly ignorant on the subject, but I admit it. So he takes that bridge and says, no, no, no. Name it after my father. I'm the governor. Nothing wrong with that. That's what our elected officials should be spending their time doing. It's insane. And the people that call... For elected officials to be better, the people that call, and, and these are these are progressives. They're calling, you know, for end to corruption, end to all this. They are the corrupt. They are the ones. 
And that's why you can't believe anything about this election. That's why you can't believe anything about the coronavirus. We don't know. This deadly virus is here. It's deadly for sure. Who knows what we're being told and how true it is. The president, and again, we, we don't endorse a political candidate, but the president in a debate in September, October said, we're going to have a, a vaccine by the end of the year. Everyone in the media said, well, the scientists aren't saying that. Why don't you listen to the scientists? The scientists aren't saying that. Blah, 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 blah. What happens? November, we hear there's going to be a vaccine in December. And there's going to be no, there's going to be no, there's going to be no blowback for that. No one's going to say, hey, media, what are you doing? He was right, and you were so wrong. Nope, not going to happen. So everyone hates Trump, but I wonder what's going to happen when they don't have Trump to blame anyone. That's reminiscent of Richard Nixon, but one of Richard Nixon's quotes. It's going to be, because they're going to have to, fu- they, th- this hate is now out there, and it's always been inside of them. They're now ex- it's now acceptable to put this hate out there. And Trump disappears, and they'll, they'll, keep, they'll keep it on him for probably a long, you know, decade, but he, it won't be enough. There'll have to be other targets. Where is this hate going to go from them? I don't know, but it's going to be dangerous. All right. That's all the news that's fit to air on the Adorable Boy podcast. We're going to take a commercial. We're going to come back and wrap this whole thing up. Thank you for listening to the Adorable Boy podcast. Hi there. Are you searching for a daycare that you could trust to take care of your little ones throughout the day? Are you searching for a daycare with the most modern facilities to keep your little one entertained and educated? Are you searching for a daycare that won't steal your pension and leave you destitute in your retirement years? Well, your search may be over. Our team of experts understand how to properly handle children and provide for their emotional needs as well as their physical needs. And we would never think of robbing either their or your portfolio and running away with the money. And at Enron Daycare, we believe that every child deserves a second chance. So if your child has had trouble at other daycares, bring them to Enron. We believe that our intensive yet loving approach to discipline can be just what your child needs to get on the straight and narrow. So if you have only a hazy recollection of the early 2000s, and really didn't pay much attention to finances, give us a call. We think that we can help your child succeed. And Ron Daycare, we finally got the SEC off of our backs. Mama. You are listening to Manti Teo's Imaginary Girlfriend's Favorite Podcast. We think. Why not? Could be. Adorable Boys. Hey, hey, we are back on the Adorable Boy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this edition, where we kind of just, we were as adorable as we wanted to be. We are just some adorable boys adorbling around. And that's what we did today, and we hope you enjoyed it. A few things, actually, I forgot to mention in, from the last segment. Um, we're talking about Governor Cuomo in New York. And there's actually two things. One is that he was on Howard Stern a few weeks ago, and, and I mean, that irrelevant radio show that, that he does in over in New York that no one really cares about anymore. I mean, he gets all these big celebrities on it, but who wants to listen to celebrity interviews? Not, not really anyone. 
Anyway, anyway, he was on that irrelevant show. And uh, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically, you know, he'd like to punch Donald Trump in the face. Now, I've been listening to four years. Again, we don't endorse any one political candidate. But I have been listening to four years of how Donald Trump isn't presidential and isn't what a politician should be. And then we have the mayor of New York saying that he wants to punch the president of the United States in the face and no one cares. This is where this this hypocrisy that, that Trump really did expose, Trump brought it out. There was all this hate under the surface that these progressives mostly had for everyone else. But but they kind of kept it under the surface for fear of being too crazy. But Trump, his presidency allowed them for some reason to, to release it all and it, it, to be accepted by everyone else. So the mayor of New York, I want to clarify this again. The mayor of New York, who everyone, you know, louds as, as a great mayor and all that. He said that he wants to punch the president of the United States in the face and no one cared. Um, I can't think of anything that's more unprofessional, more. I mean, if, apparently everyone wants, everyone says they want, you know, just a unified country. Yet this guy wants to punch the guy who, you know, 70 million or however, 50, whatever, however many millions of people voted for. He wants to punch him in the face. So that's great, Governor Cuomo. And second of all, I mentioned about uh, his book that he wrote about a pandemic in the middle of the pandemic, in which he his decisions directly led to the death of thousands of people. He's receiving an Emmy Award for... I, I, he wrote a book. I don't know why he's getting an Emmy Award, but whatever. For his leadership during the COVID uh, thing. And, I mean, New York City is a mess. So, I, these awards... No, when I was a kid, I guess I respected all these awards, the Oscars, the Grammys, or whatever. And a lot of times, you know, they, they reward things that, that deserve to be, to be re- awarded. But any creator, no creator who's worth anything does it for the awards. They do it so they can express themselves. The awards are fine. But if I was a, you know, as a podcast professional, sure, we, and back in when we were on the radio, we had a lot of awards. You know, we got awards every year, just closets and closets full of them. And they were fine, but I never really cared. Because what I cared about was getting, cracking that microphone and, and giving the people the entertainment that they want, the hot takes that they want, that they expect from us. So uh, these awards are all empty, but this is the most ridiculous one I've ever seen. Uh, it's give, giving someone an award for something that he handled terribly and, and is the head of a city as it's dying. The greatest city in the country, my city. It's dying under his watch. And he's getting an award for writing a book that he didn't write about surviving a pen, about, you know, leading during a pandemic, which he didn't do. And the pandemic is still going on. The world has turned topsy-turvy, my friends. But guess what? The Adorable Boys are your anchor. We're here to steady the ship for you, our listeners. The Adorable Boy Disciples. And the, 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 whose ranks? The Adorable Boy Disciples' ranks are growing each and every day. And we thank you for, for spreading the word. We appreciate it. All right. Now that's going to bring this episode to a close. Let's see what we learned. What we did today. What do we do? Uh... We did the podcast War. Jim gave it to Jim Cornette, exposed him some more of his from his past, exposed his podcast to what it is, a kowtowing disgrace. We talked about how to have a safe Thanksgiving. We talked about um, Trump and Biden and all the, all the friends that we've come accustomed to. So again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining us. We're going to be back next week with some more great content. 
We hope you have a great week. Have a great Thanksgiving. And we will see you on the next Adorable Boy podcast.